Welcome to Desire Made Real, a discovery of Witches podcast, where we recap every episode of the television show, semi-spoiler-free, except not really anymore. I am one of your hosts, Mandy Kay, and when I am not talking about Matthew and Diana, I am binge-watching Sister Wives to catch up on it. I just shook my head at you. (laughs) I know, I know. And I'm Caitlin, and when I'm not talking about a discovery of Witches, I'm still reading the same book I was last week because I'm having trouble getting through it. Uh oh. Yay. Which was The Atlas Six by Olivia Blake. But Oh no. Well That's right. It's not that I'm having it's not it's just I don't care about a single one of the characters, you know? Life is too short to read books that you're not enjoying. Oh no, I'm enjoying everything else about it. The world building, the kind of like what the heck is going on, the magic sciencey system they have going, that's really interesting. I just hate everyone. So I'm hoping eventually Maybe we don't hate everyone. Okay. All right. So that's where that is. So each week here on the show, we'll recap the episode. Non-spoiler free at all. We'll also include a segment at the end. We haven't been doing that. I'm just going to skip. Blah, blah, blah. Episode seven was written by Helen Rayner and directed by Jamie Donahue. And this is the very last episode. Oh, my gosh. It is. It's the last episode. And oddly enough, it's like my shortest notes from the whole season. Interesting. I guess, you know, this one did a lot less jumping around. Yeah, it did. Um, It wasn't like, quick, we're here, and then we're here, and then we're here, and then we're here. It was just like, I mean, a lot of stuff happened. Yes, but but it was a lot of longer scenes. Yeah, so my my notes, shortest notes from from the season, it's weird. But this episode is so good. Mm -hmm. Every time I watch this episode, I get goosebumps, the end, and I'm just happy and smiley and I love it and I think this is one of the best series finales ever hmm oh dear you don't think no so? no I'm just thinking because I would tend to agree with you the thing for me is I don't usually make it to a series finale ah. I have very little I don't I actually do not watch that much tv and just the tv that I do watch I watch it hard <laughs> If that makes any sense. And you podcast about it. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like almost every show that I bother to watch, I have a podcast about. It's not quite that bad, but, you know, I'm more of a movies and books person. Yeah. Um, TV doesn't really do it for me usually, unless it's based on something that I love. Yeah. Um, That's fair. So I can't remember the last time I made it to a series finale. So kind of by default, this one is the best one. (laughs) Okay. All right. I do like that they didn't decide to make more, that they just got it to the end and that was that. Yeah. And they didn't like drag it out. Like as much as I think you absolutely could have made 10 to 15 episodes, series, seasons for each book because they're so long. I like mm-hmm. how they condensed books one and two, especially I think book three, they absolutely could have used another couple episodes, but that's fine. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. I mean, out. sorry. So like this, the, there there are some bits in this episode that are that happen very very quickly and are very anticlimactic. But, um, yeah, you know, we'll talk about it more when we get there because I'm talking about Benjamin. Mm-hmm. But it really, it, it that's the point I think. So it it worked. Like yeah. I think everything about this episode just worked for me, and the way they did the whole series, is just phenomenal i mean yes it does have a lot of differences from the book Mm -hmm. but given that it is an adaptation the choices that they made work well together yeah and they still told the same essence of the story that deborah harkness was telling 
I agree. And I, I think it was phenomenal, and this was a great end to it. So shall we dive in? Let's do it. And this way we won't just say good things about it. Right? <laughs> Let's nitpick the bitch. Okay. <clears throat> we get another dramatic entrance from Baldwin. I mean, everybody's really worried, but that doesn't matter. We get dramatic entrance. We do. It's fantastic. Um, I love this whole opening scene because this is like action movie level stuff happening here. This is like command central. Everybody's got their parts to play. Baldwin comes in and then it's just like that. Even Marcus is spouting off orders. It's fantastic. It, I don't know if I like it until Baldwin gets there and it turns into like a proper conversation. Mm. I, I, I don't know. It just didn't rub me the right way. Nothing, okay. nothing that I can put my finger on. I will right. say when Baldwin does walk in, Hamish and Mar- Marta walk in behind him, which definitely means no one's watching the twins, <laughs> which I guess they might be asleep, but I'm sure they're sleeping. I'm sure. they're. Sleeping. I don't know. When Marta wasn't there, I was like, great. Somebody is with the baby. <laughs> but then she walked in and I was like, nobody is with the babies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the reveal, like instantaneously, that Baldwin is there because Diana asked him to come. And I love that he immediately understands what's happening as soon as like he just has to see like five seconds of the video to know that's Philippe's watch. Shit, Benjamin was part of that, and that must be there in Poland at the hospital where Philippe was tortured. Like, lots of dots had to be connected, and he did it very quickly, and it it just worked for me. It wasn't, it didn't feel like a super big plot contrivance. Yeah, Baldwin does sort of always seem like he has his shit together. Yeah. In that sort of way. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I also really like that in this scene, he... He kind of sucked up his pride and it immediately admits that he knew that Bear has been orchestrating Benjamin and like the Declaremont downfall for centuries. Well, I mean, he just learned that. So he wasn't like keeping it secret from them the whole season. Right, right. No, but it would have been very easy for Baldwin to sit on that information for a little while and yeah. let his pride come first. I guess. And... But I think at the end of the day, and Baldwin proves this in this episode, it really is the family that's the most important to him. It's just what we've seen so far is that he didn't have the whole story and he was using the information that he had. And so he thought he was right. I agree with you. I still don't think they quite earned Baldwin's about face in this episode. Like it it doesn't quite feel like he's it feels to me like a bit of a leap that he would go just straight from. This is all wrong to, yes, I support you. Here, I'll do all this stuff to help you. Well, so I think what it is, though, is that he, I think regardless, he would have done what he could to help Matthew. I I do believe that he would have tried to help rescue Matthew. And so, like, there's two separate things happening in this episode. There's that, like, that he shows up to do that. Mm -hmm. And then the whole congregation stuff happens because he listens to what Diana has to say and understands the truth of it. And that knocks him down a peg or two. I wish we had could have seen a little bit more of that because all of that stuff at the end does happen very quickly. Yeah. I, I but, can't even really say what it is because, again, you know, they have the conversation here. We know he learned that Jaber has been manipulating him and had a hand in Philippe's death. And we know that, you know, he has that great talk with Matthew later, which I do really like. But I still just felt like it wasn't 
Like it was such an about face for him. And even yeah. here at the beginning, he doesn't just say, yeah, I'll come help. He says like, absolutely, 100%, let's go. I'm like, why are you all of a sudden so on board with them? I don't know. I don't disagree with anything that was written. It just didn't quite click with me in the feels. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Then we get the opening credits. Oh, I skipped that. and just have some fun torture. That's my <laughs> next note. Yeah. Benjamin and Matthew. Matthew's praying, which I is guess, a nice callback to, you know, the that, that's been kind of a touch in the whole thing that Matthew is, even as a vampire, he's still Catholic and still has his faith. Yeah, I guess we haven't really touched on that this season very much. Mm-mm. And then Gerbert shows up to talk to Isabeau. And like, talk about dramatic. <laughs> I understand why the writing team wanting them to have this conversation after Isabeau learning that he had a hand in Philippe's death. But why is Gerbert there? What was his motivation? Did they call him? Did he just turn up? Why is he there? What did he want? I have a theory. Okay. I have a theory. I think Gerbert is secretly in love with Isabeau. Sure. I can get behind that because he's super fucking creepy here. But why is he there? What made him wake because- up one day in, in Venice and think to himself, I'm going to go visit Isabeau. Like, what? He's completely delusional and still somehow thinks that he has the power in all of this. And I think he honestly believed he was trying to save Isabeau. Like, he's trying, like, because he went there to say, if you give me the children, the congregation will be lenient with you. I guess, but how did he know everybody else wasn't there? Oh, that is a fantastic question. I, I didn't even think of that. And is it here that he knows Diana has the Book of Life? Yeah. How does he know that? How? What? Like, don't get me wrong. I like this scene. I like that it's here. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I can't believe you didn't mention his dramatic coat removal, though. Oh, that was just him being a rude fucker, though. Like, whatever. That's just your bear. But yeah, it was pretty stupid. The way he just, like, stared her down, too. Like, fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, but... Can we talk about how badass Isabeau is? Like, she does not bat an eye at him. She's mm-hmm, just like, mm-hmm. go back to Venice. It's fantastic. I am glad that we got to see them talk when with her having the information that he had a hand in Philippe's murder. Why she didn't murder him, I don't know. I mean, right. I guess, like, writing-wise, obviously, it's so that he can be at the congregation later. But, like, Isabeau-wise, just snap his fucking head off. Like, who cares? Right? You just found out that he killed your mate. Or he had a hand in it. He orchestrated it. Yeah. So, and Jerbear now knows that she knows that, which is interesting, but I don't think he really cared. And I guess just before he left, he says, I gave you every chance. And it's like, mm-hmm. as though the chances are his to be given. Like, fuck off, Jerbear. I hate you. Yeah, no, he somehow is, del- he's as delusional as Satu is. Yeah. About who the main character is in this story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, then we go back to Poland and we get that awesome scene of Miriam kicking in the door. Miriam power shot. That's what I wrote down. Yes. I love it. Like it, she had, she did not need to do it. it. It does nothing, but it makes me happy when I see it. Even just her stepping out of the helicopter looking all awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for gifting yeah. us with that. And that black duster that she's wearing. Yes. Yeah. Like I kind of want to cosplay as Miriam. <laughs> How could you ever find clothing as good as hers, though, you know? Like, uh, yeah, no, I don't think I could. But uh, it's, it's fantastic. I think you have to be rich to look like Miriam, unfortunately. <laughs> it, it's great. That I, I fully support your efforts. Mm, okay. 
I found this interesting. When they walk in, mm-hmm. the vampires can hear heartbeats, mm-hmm. and they recognize that there are two vampires and a warm blood mm-hmm. present, which I think is unexpected. They didn't expect there to be a warm blood. They just thought it would be Matthew and Benjamin. Which is um, stupid, because they knew he was kidnapping witches. Like, where are the witches that he kidnapped? Are they dead? Did, right? Yeah. Did so he my first go? watch through... My first watch through, I thought, oh, they're hearing his victims, like his other, his witch victims. And then that's not what it was. But that was my first reaction. So, yeah, they just kind of hand waved all of that stuff away. I mean, I don't hate it. Why have more torture in an episode with a good amount of torture? But yeah, that's true. It, it, I don't know. I, I would like a little bit of sense with my fluff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But that's fine. My only note here is creepy. This <laughs> whole place is creepy. The set is yeah. creepy. This It's like an abandoned World War II era hospital in Poland. Like, it does not get creepier than that, I don't think. Out in the middle of the woods. Yeah. Very Blair Witch. Very much so. Except so, actual vampires and witches. Right? <laughs> So when they go in, like, Diana uses her magic to turn on the lights so they can see what's happening, and um, Matthew is there. They see Matthew tied up to a table. His heart is exposed, and it's beating, and he's just, like, begging them to kill him, and everybody wants to rush forward and rescue him, and Diana's like, no, wait. And my first thought was, like, why is Diana asking them to wait? Like, what? But somehow she recognizes and figures out that this is an enchantment. Yeah. This isn't real. And she dispels it. And so then they start looking for other things. And they start to hear babies crying. And, like, then Satu starts calling for Diana. It was I, I was having a hard time, like, kind of understanding what I was hearing because there were a lot of sounds overlapping each other in this scene. Hmm. And I think she was just taunting her. Mm. Like... Um, I think the important part here is that once Diana realizes that Satu is there, um, that's when she puts up the wall so that the others can't get through. And she says, this is my battle. Yes. Because she knows that they can't beat Satu. Yes. Which I suppose this is like the biggest difference I find or the biggest feeling difference. I don't don't even know how to describe between the book and the show because she Mm -hmm. locks them all out. Why even bring them? Like, <laughs> I love how in the book, in the book, things happened in a different order, right? They did the congregation thing before going after Benjamin. And mm-hmm. because they felt that they needed more people to have everyone on their side and to, I think there there was more witches and stuff around. They needed like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be overdramatic and say army, but something to that effect. But right. in this one, it's just like, nope, it, I am the one woman army. Right. Yes, she is. Yeah, I I don't disagree with this as a choice. It it is visually better because we just have to follow one character. Mm-hmm. I just can't help but think like, why are they even there then? Like, I don't know. Well, it's I weird. mean, because when when they thought it was just going to be Benjamin, like, I mean, they outlined it at the beginning. They needed a vampire um, with them who was skilled in combat. That's why Galaglass and Miriam came because that's what they thought they were going to be doing. But when she realized it was Satu. That's a completely different kind of fighting. Like, yeah, that's not yeah, combat yeah. anymore. That's magic. That's fair. That's fair. And then she walks into another room, and there's another illusion. This one is the freakiest. This is the scene. Like, Matthew's eyes are weird here. Like, I actually had to look up what color are Matthew Good's eyes actually. 
Oh. Because they always look really, really dark. Mm-hmm. And when he does blood rage, they're always, like, black. Mm-hmm. But his eyes are actually blue. Yes. But you don't ever actually see them that, like, super light blue that they were here. And it freaked me out because it just did not look right. <laughs> I did not notice his eyes. I was very much in my head about how Setu would have any idea what the cradles look like to make that illusion. Oh. But I, that matters not at all. Like, it could have yeah. been other cradles. It It doesn't matter at all. It's just... They didn't want to get different set pieces. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I my notes here definitely show that you have inspired me. Mm-hmm. Um, my notes say Satu realizes she's definitely not the main character, but can't handle it. <laughs> See, my note here when they start talking is still so sure she is the main character. Yeah. Because that's not your destiny. It's mine. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Like, like. I am like, literally so the book is in Diana. It's yeah. already done. As though she was just the transport. <laughs> and and I'm I'm very curious about what Satu was thinking going into all this. Like, what did she want to do with Diana? What was she what was her end goal before she knew that the book was in Diana? Just to open her up again and steal her power? How I don't know. Well, I think she, I mean, she wanted the book. And then I think once she realized the book was in Diana, she wanted to open Diana up again. Yeah. Um, Not realizing somehow that she has no power here anymore. I do like Satu's fate, that she just gets spellbound. Diana doesn't even Mm -hmm. bother to kill her. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. Spellbound and then pretty much forgotten. Like, thanks. Exactly. That's that's what I wanted. Yeah. Um, After Diana shuts... Satu down she goes for Benjamin Mm -hmm. and there's a split second when he looks when he realizes she's coming Mm -hmm. and he looks terrified oh I didn't notice that interesting Um, it's just a split second because then the next time we see him he's allowing the blood rage to take over okay um but I think that that helped like his fear helped the blood rage come out that that's interesting that maybe that's how he does it yeah I I wish we had time to dive into these things um, this, I loved this. And this is one of those goosebump scenes because Diana just, she instantly knows what she's going to do when she gets there. And so we get all of the flashback scenes as she's counting up to 10 for the knots. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is the first time she's used the 10th knot and like, he doesn't get it. Like he doesn't get anywhere close to her. She just takes him out and he just fades to ash. Yes. I, I do really like this scene. I I like how it calls back to everything and how like how she uses an arrow again like she did in season one mm-hmm. but like like you've did you say this before on recording off recording I don't even remember but it was you pointed it out before how like it's more she has the arrow and the bow more together I guess than she did in season one where she was just kind of like eh, arrow right yeah I know she knew what she was doing here. yeah. So I do love that juxtaposition. I I don't think they quite earned it just because we haven't seen her trying to figure out the 10th knot. We haven't seen her working on it. She had that one brief conversation with Sarah. Like, I guess if you were just watching the show, I don't feel like that scene really is much of anything. Having read the books, I really, really love it. But if you hadn't read the books, I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it would be that much. They haven't done much of it. 
Well, I feel like if you haven't read the books, then it's really easy to assume that because she has the book in her now, that she can do anything. Like, that's where the power's coming from. And a lot of it is. But I think it's not confusing for someone who's only watched the show because they can, like, internalize that. Like, that's where the power's coming from. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think it's confusing. I just don't think it's... I think it just kind of came out of nowhere. Mm. Is more. Yeah, because we haven't really seen her fight with her power much. I mean, we've seen her go against Baldwin a couple times, but that's it. Yeah, I I just think, if I'm remembering correctly, I could be wrong, but in book three, she tried to work on figuring out what the Tenth Knot was for a good chunk of it. Mm. And so when she figured it out, and, and it was all more in her head when she figured it out, and I guess I guess that's what I miss. I miss being in her head Yeah, for all of yeah. this. There was a line... I guess last week, I think it was last week, um, where she said to Sarah about the 10th knot that she could feel it inside of her. Yeah. And so I think that's just their way of distilling all of that down. No, I know. And I know that they didn't really have much choice. There's so much going on. They've got seven episodes. This isn't really a critique. I'm just nitpicking. Yeah. I think the, the most surprising thing here is how quickly Benjamin died. Like, there was no fight. It was very anticlimactic when he's been, yeah. quote, unquote, the seemingly the big bad of I, the season. I love this decision, though. Oh, absolutely. I think it's fantastic because this is not Benjamin's story. Yep. Benjamin is not and never has been the actual enemy that they're fighting. They're yeah. fighting the decline of the creatures. Like the, that's what started this whole thing. And we kind of lost yeah. sight of that a little bit. The decline and the like, the segregation of the creatures right. being um, the big bads. I I love yeah. that they made that choice because it's just not the obvious choice for a visual medium. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they did it so well. I love it. Yeah, I think that's part of why I really enjoy the the choice they made to invert yes. the timeline. Yes, to have Benjamin's death come first and then have her go to the congregation. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Right, because Benjamin's death in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, so I, yeah, I, I enjoy this a lot. And then, yeah, so he's dead. They get Matthew. And much like Diana's torture in season one, they really toned down how hurt he was and how mm-hmm. much it affected him mentally, mm-hmm. which I get for a TV show makes total sense. And I love that we kind of just, we see that he's hurt and people are worried, but that we do quickly move on with the story. Um, it, uh, yeah, it's interesting that it happened to both of them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't do any digging here. Hamish is reading aloud and his voiceover oh, is on I know top what it of is. this like, montage of stuff. So what, what is he reading? He is reading Sonnet 6 by, uh, I've never heard this name said out loud, so I, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Uh, Rainer Mar- Maria Rilke, Rilke? Mm. Okay. an Austrian poet who wrote in German, and I believe this was translated by Edward Snow. Okay. The version I found online is translated. Got it. So, yeah, it's a sonnet by a Austrian poet. Okay. I mean, it's good. I love listening to his voice and listening to him read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they just needed something over the montage of every, over the montage of everybody waiting to see if Matthew's going to wake up. I liked, I liked it better than a song. 
And I liked that it was Hamish. I love Hamish's voice. He did, mm-hmm. he read it very well, and I love that we got their friendship in all of this. And then, like, after Matthew's better, they're playing chess again. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. that a lot. I have to say that Monker, when Matthew wakes up, is the best sound. When he, like, wakes Diana yeah. up, it's it's good. So good. It was very good. I liked it a lot. And I like that here, and it, and for the rest of the episode, his hair is just kind of a mess. Yes. <laughs> As if he just sort of stopped caring. And I'm like, yep, I like it. Yeah. That, well, I think that's their nod to the fact that he is not. Not 100%. 100%. Like, yeah. his, his body is healed, but he is not. Yeah. It's going to take time. Then we get some science again. And the amazing thing that they learn here is that they all have demon DNA. Yes. Which is awesome. I I do love how they really squish this down, but they, they managed to get it out there. Matthew does call their kids Brightborn here, but it is a throwaway line that I'm sure non-book readers miss, so they are never going to make mm-hmm. that connection. But right. whatever. And I, I love that it all came out and that we did... I remember in season one not being sure how they were going to follow through with the sciencey bits. Mm-hmm. So I do like how they followed it through. They don't really go into how they can't cure blood rage because they need it. Like, we've only seen blood rage as a bad thing, I feel, in this show. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have Jack healing from it and working on it so that you don't have to murder people with the blood rage. But they don't talk about how having the blood rage gene within the vampires helps them and how that that's like having the the demon DNA, the vampires need it in order to like that. That's why they're having trouble siring because they have not been having the demon DNA in them. And they right. killed I think, off I all feel the, like, I don't know. Yeah. They were clear that they needed the demon DNA, but they didn't make that link to that means we need vampires with blood rage. Yes. Right? Like they, they didn't connect those two dots in the show. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty clear that the covenant is what's destroying them because yeah. they have to stay separate. So the demon DNA is no longer in their lines. Um, and, yeah. And it's, I, I like how they did it, but I guess I just wish there was a little bit more. But again, I think I'm just being like book loyalist about it. I think it's yeah. fine. I mean, I think there's always room for more, yeah. honestly. Always. Um, but the choices that they made, I think, work really well. Um, when Diana learns this information, she immediately wants to take it to the congregation. And, of course, Baldwin pushes back. Yeah. But he pushes back because the congregation has been out for her blood. And he believes that she's going to be treated like a criminal and executed if she goes to the congregation. Yes. Um, and I appreciate that nice bit of change from him. Right. Considering that not too long ago, he was asking to assess the children and bring them to the congregation. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. I guess maybe he's met them now, and I don't know. Yes, that's I'm true. sad we never, like, I know we get to see him holding one of them later, and I will talk about that then, mm-hmm. but we never really get to see him meet the children, which I am sad about, because his yeah. relationship with them is one of my favorite things in the books. Yeah, yeah, he he takes to them in the books, for sure. Well, he takes to Rebecca, but yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure he has nothing against Philip either, but. Um, then we get that conversation between Baldwin and Matthew, which is really nice. I do really like I it, yes. wish it was a little bit longer, but, you know, these two centuries old stubborn men can say a lot of things without saying a lot of things. Yeah, I love I love that Baldwin admits that he was jealous, that he thought mm-hmm. 
you know, that he genuinely thought Philippe liked Matthew Moore and all these, like, he doesn't say that quite in quite so many words, but that's what it is. And yeah. that they do yeah. finally have a good heart to heart here. It's really good. Yep. Yep. He admits that Matthew was right and that he should have trusted him. And then Baldwin is the one who comes up with the idea to get Diana into the congregation. Yep. It's fantastic. And then my next nude is newt. My next note is just Diana suits up. It's so good. I love I love the visual of bringing, you know, all the seasons together because of how her outfit is kind of like a modern day Renaissance outfit, mm-hmm. like her Elizabethan outfit. And I love the bit of like the idea of bringing Diana's different lives together. Like it's so smart and so it's- very well done. And beautiful. And beautiful, yes. she's got those earrings on again and those amazing shoes. Yes. And that, yeah, that that jacket is definitely a callback to to her season two clothes. Yeah. And it's, it's just fantastic. Yeah. I, I, it's, I have no notes, just perfection. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Then we go to Venice and my note is Gerber is so fucking smarmy. See, I've skipped over that and I just wrote down Agatha's smile is so good. Yeah. Even like everybody's face when mm-hmm. she reveals why she's there is priceless. Like Domenico. Yeah. Just kind of like when he walks over to put his key in her hand, he's just kind of like tiptoeing and like kind of gently sets it in there. Like, I'm not dealing with this right now. It's I love it. I, love I don't it. know why or how I've come to enjoy Domenico so much, but I do. Mm-hmm. I just every I time too. he's on screen. So good. I wish that actor many, many good things. He's so Absolutely. like such a small, almost nothing role, and he did so good with it. Yeah, we we do we talk about Domenico in almost every episode. All the time, he's always enjoyable, even if he's being an ass. I find him to be really good. I don't mm-hmm. know. I. Anyways, that's all. Uh, so in this scene, Gerbert immediately tries to take over and be in control. Yep. And Diana is not having it, and I love it. She is full of confidence. And she just ignores everything that he says and mm-hmm. gives her own spiel. And she speaks her truth. Um, and, of course, Jerbear still tries to say it's a lie, blah, blah, blah. Um, but she's just ignoring him. And I don't think Jerbear is accustomed to being ignored. I love it. We should ignore him more. Agreed. At one point, he crosses himself when, like, describing what a witch she is. And, like, you're a vampire. <laughs> you spend all the time with, like, fuck off. I Right? Yeah. Yeah. What an ass. Um, we do have a quick cutscene between Jack and Matthew. Yes. Which is very sweet. Matthew yes. is doing some stone work, which we will see later. But yes. that's also a nice callback to his human life because he was a stone cutter. Um, and you know, Jack returns the miniatures to Matthew and they end the scene with Matthew saying, I love you, Jack, and Jack says, I love you too. And at the beginning of the scene, Matthew said, I'm proud of you. He did. He did. So seeing two grown men say they love each other in a non-romantic way is just amazing. And it needs to happen more often on television. Yep. No notes. Perfection. Yeah. Perfection. Okay. I absolutely love. We cut back to the congregation and Agatha just like sums up the previous scene for us. Yeah, it's so she's like, OK, Diana said this, Gerbert said this, but we have to vote on this because then this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, thanks, Agatha. You just laid it all out yep. there for the audience. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Everybody but Gerbert votes to overturn the covenant. Is it everybody? Yeah. 
Oh, I didn't realize it was everybody. Before that, Javert does have a line where he says, I don't know if he uses her name, but he says, Diana's crimes are legion. Like, what a fucking drama queen. <laughs> she is. <laughs> like, he seems yeah, to he be does because- personally insulted. And I'm like, she has done. I don't think you've ever even seen her before today. Like, calm the fuck down, oh, Javert. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I actually I liked that though because that was before they voted. Because when yeah. he said that, the other vampire, the bald one, um, said, "But if we do vote to repeal the covenant, then all of those crimes would be pardoned." That's a witch. Oh, that's a witch. Yeah, okay. no. I keep thinking that's a vampire. No, there's only two vampires: Domenico and Gerbert, because Diana's. Oh, the you're Declamo. right. Because Diana's. You're right. You're right. See, I don't always pay attention. <laughs> But then, after they overturn the covenant, Diana mm-hmm. speaks up that they need a new leader, someone who has not, you know, always had the power and the privilege, and she nominates Agatha. And yes. Domenico seconds it. Yes. It's so beautiful. good. And I, I love this speech because I remember the first time I was watching it, I was like, it's a good speech, but like, come on, Diana, you're, you are a rich white woman. You're going to be fine. And, but then at the end, when she gives it over to Agatha, I was like, never mind. You got it. You understood. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and once again, they all vote for her except for Gerbert. But the best moment is when Agatha votes for herself. Yes. And she giggles. And it's, I love it. I love it. And I love how much we see Gerbert's face because you can just see all of his like his hundred centuries, millennia, I don't know, like ambition just drifting away. And it's so good. And I'm like sad that he doesn't get murdered. But also I do love that he loses everything still. Yeah, I almost think this is better because what so what happens here is Diana just turns and walks out. Everybody else in the congregation has gathered around Agatha and they're congratulating her and they're talking about all this stuff. And we get Gerbert just standing by himself yeah, in the corner, being ignored. Like, he has lost everything. Like, he walked into that room thinking that he was king of the world, and it just all crumbled. And I love it. Yeah, it was good. Though, again, he doesn't really get, like, punished. I mean, he, for... there's no consequences for him at this yeah. point. But uh, I feel like but he's essentially this... stripped of power, so... But, but he is still on the congregation. Yeah, I, I do wish more bad things had happened to him, but whatever. I really love how this is Diana's moment and Matthew just isn't even there. Yes. Because I do feel like the story is Diana's story. Matthew is just mm-hmm. kind of along for the ride. But because of the way that it works, we've had so much vampire stuff this season. Mm-hmm. So I just really love that Diana gets this moment for herself. Mm-hmm. Then we get... What is my favorite scene from the entire season? Yes. Um, Matthew's doing the voiceover behind it, and we get this montage. Sophie and Nate and the baby get to come back. Yeah. Marcus and Phoebe are engaged. We see what Matthew was working on. He made the memorial for Hugh, like actually recognizing him as a declaremont again, and that Fernando was his mate, and so they're both in the family, and Fernando's face when he sees it just... Gets me every time. Literally sitting here talking about this and remembering it, I have goosebumps again. Like yes. Every time I watch the scene and hear Matthew's voice over this whole thing, it just it just gets me emotionally. And I really um, love, I might cry again because I did cry when watching <laughs> this. I did too the first time. Um, I love when he's, when we're seeing uh, Fernando see the plaque 
-hmm. In the voiceover, Matthew says, you know, right, right the wrongs of the past. And I think that that's a good theme through mm -hmm. this show. And I just liked it. I really liked that. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing. Almost um, directly after that, though, Matthew and Galloglass have the most awkward bro handshake of all time. I guess it's in slow-mo, but, like, Matthew's hand is up there waiting for, like, a good second. And oh, it's so awkward. Notice. I didn't like, even notice. My note is just Galloglass says a proper goodbye this time. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't, I didn't notice the awkwardness. I was just, like, I, I think it was in slow-mo. or and, Yeah, maybe. It looks like. Like somebody went in for a high five and then was left hanging, you know, like it's just so <laughs> awkward. Yeah. And then we get the line. Yes. And we I love, I love, love, love that they had the new beginning part over a scene with Jack and the babies. Yes. That was so good. Yes. Um, I know when I watched this the first time, I immediately, I texted you immediately in yeah. all caps. Yeah. In every ending, there is a new beginning because we have been waiting like I, we both loved that they did this, um, in every episode of season one. Yes, they had that line, and we adopted that line as our sign off for the podcast. And then we haven't had it since season one, and so for them to end the show with it, like, it just it makes me happy. It was really, and good. then and then we get to see that new beginning. Yeah, um, but we also get Diana sitting at Philippe's desk, and I love mm -hmm. that so much yeah i can only assume is she she's rewriting the book is that what she's doing there oh i have no idea i genuinely didn't even try to see what was happening there i was just like dana said philippe's desk because it's like her office now and i love that so much <laughs> and then we end with diana and matthew dancing the tango yes. which as we'll all recall is exactly how i wanted season three to end so i'm glad that they listened to me and uh, my very last note is something you've already mentioned. Yes. Baldwin is holding one of the babies. He's holding Rebecca, his favorite. And he kisses her. I know. It's so cute. Again, I don't so think cute. it's earned in this show, but I don't fucking care. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. So I end with uh, this is the best ending ever in all caps. Like, I, I seriously think this is a fantastic end. Like, they, they tied up all the bows and they made the world a better place and they're all happy and their family is together. And Gallo Glass did leave, but he left on good terms this time. Yes. And it's just, it's everything I wanted for all of them. Yeah. The uh, only thing that's missing mm -hmm. at this point is that Phoebe is still human. But Deborah well, we know Hargis she's not going to be. That, so, yeah. <laughs> Deborah Hargis did write that book. So it's yeah. just, it's, that's a different story than A Discovery of Witches. So that's not part of this. And so this is everything I wanted it to be. I have to tell you, when season one started, mm -hmm. I was not sure that they were going to be able to do this series justice. And I think they did. They nailed it. I think so, too. Yeah, 100%. Like, we nitpick a lot. But that's because we're doing a podcast. Overall, right. I was so happy with all of this. Mm -hmm. And despite all the differences and the things that we laughed about and blah, 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 I still felt the emotional connection to everyone. And yes, very I think much at so. the end of the day, that's really all you want. Yeah. When it can make you cry, when it can make you have goosebumps just from talking about it. Yeah. Like they did some magical shit here. I think with these characters and you know what I think Deborah Harkness did some magical shit in writing these characters and creating these characters that we love 
We should, I don't know, put that on one of her books. Deborah Harkness did some magical shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's our official review. That That is our official review. I love it. Yep. So, I don't know. What are we going to do now that it's over? It's It's done. I don't know. <laughs> Go watch it again, maybe? <laughs> I guess. I mean, we could. It's there now. That's nice. Yeah. Put it on every September because that's when it starts. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like now that the show is done, I need to make space to reread the books. I like. I know you just did, though, so maybe well, you don't need to, but I haven't. Since the show started, I haven't reread them. I started to, mm-hmm. um, but I was reading them out loud to my husband on a road trip, and then the road trip ended, and so we just kind of never picked them back up. Right. So I didn't ever finish them, and I feel like now at this point, to truly appreciate everything that Deborah Harkness has given us and this world, I need to make space for the books. Yeah, I reread them at while we were recording season two, so it was just over a year ago. Mm. So I don't quite feel ready to reread them. I know. Yeah, I don't know. that makes sense. Yeah. Strange that I season have... two was just over a year ago. That feels like eons ago. It really does. I mean, it was centuries ago, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess I guess this is the end, which is very Aww. strange. Um. We've talked about, or Mandy and I have talked about, maybe doing the books at some time in the future. Um, if we do, we we are definitely taking a break before then. Yes, and we weren't we're not sure about doing a big wrap up because usually in the wrap ups we talk about, you know, what we're looking forward to, and we don't <laughs> we don't have anything to look forward to, which is really weird. Um, but if you guys, if you think we missed anything, you want us to come back, you know, please email us at desiremaderealpod at gmail.com or tweet us at desiremaderealpod. And if we can put some discussion together, we will do a wrap up in two-ish weeks. Yes. And until then, we do also, Mandy and I do another podcast together. You can find us at uh, Enter the Fold if you like uh, Shadow and Bone or other TV shows adapted by books. We have plans for more in the future. We do. So that would probably be the best place to keep up with us over there or on our personal emails. Uh, I'm at inferior Caitlin. Our personal Twitters. Yep. That's. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just going to leave that. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Um, and I am, of course, Mandy Kay, and you can find this show and all of the other Eloquent Gushing shows at eloquentgushing.com. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can get me personally on Twitter at Mandy Kay. And until we meet again, remember that with every ending, there is a new beginning. <laughs> <laughs>